Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Chunky Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We rollin'! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back. It is Thursday morning, so it's not the overnight delivery. I had a little bit of traveling to do, but I'm here in Las Vegas with Goes. We're zeroing in on Saturday's UFC 284 event. So, quick reminder, we will have a watch-along on Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. You'll hear that more on our social media and throughout today's show. On today's show, we'll also discuss the latest news in mixed martial arts. A lot of interesting stuff going on. A lot of it really having to do with UFC 284, but there's a few uh, tangents that uh, I will pivot to throughout the show. Uh, I think I want to put a little bow on Fedor versus Steve Bay talk. It's something we talked about on SBC, something I've had some thoughts about, and uh, some other latest news, uh, Max Holloway versus Arnold Allen, for example. That's a fight booking that we can definitely chat about. ABC announced their Athletes Voice Committee, and they already announced a few fighters that will be a part of that. That's the Association of Boxing Commissions and Combative Sports, and uh, other news as well. So let us reset, and then we'll be right back. Plus, we also have Vitor Belfort. That's right. Vitor Belfort will join us as well. He is part of the Challenger Series Committee of Sorts out there at PFL, where they pretty much say who gets in based on every Friday, you know, the work that the that the challengers put in to be part of the regular season. So that should be fun. All right. So it goes, you know, I know Bellator 290 is kind of in the rear view mirror by now. We've pretty much discussed it on ASBC, on Junkie Radio. You know, we enjoyed it thoroughly, and we wish Fedor the best, and it pretty much does sound like this one would be it. There, there's no coming back. Um, Had he won, maybe, but he didn't, and he didn't look good. <laughs> but maybe that's a credit to Bader. Poor Bader, he kind of got lost in the shuffle and mm, – didn't get praises heaped on him like maybe he should. He just showed up and did his job, which was to run through a forty-six-year-old. Uh, I, I would. I'm. I'm really curious just how good he is. But anyway, you know, coming out of that, there's many that will say Fedor is the greatest heavyweight ever, and and then there's you know arguments for Cain Velasquez, Stipe Miocic, you know, possibly Randy Couture early on. Uh, don't laugh. Randy Couture won a UFC tournament, and then he won the UFC heavyweight title a couple of times. So don't mm-hmm. laugh at that. And he did take some losses, um, but still pretty amazing stuff that he did You know, back in the day. Uh, 
I think most people zero in on Miocic and Fedor. So goes. Let me run a few things by you. We'll give our decisions or our, our thoughts. And you know, to me, for Fedor, it's his first 31 fights. I know it's his 31 and one and a no contest. So the no contest is uh, Antonio Rodrigo Noguera. That was going to be the finals of the Pride Heavyweight Grand Prix, which got settled in the next fight, which Fedor won, and Fedor defended his Pride Heavyweight title, but also won the Pride Heavyweight Grand Prix. So I think that's a major belt to win the Pride Heavyweight Grand Prix. It was another title defense, and together with the with the WAMA title defenses, uh, Fedor had... I believe five title defenses. Um, I'm, I don't remember the rules of if he was defending during every single Pride Grand Prix event, like some of the Bellator guys do. But mm-hmm. I imagine he was. So he really could be up to about eight eight title defenses. It's not clear on what he did. Now, a few of the matches that we kind of have a good laugh at. Um, he didn't defend, you know, like Zuluzinho, for example. Uh, so, and, and I don't think he's ever tried to, not that Fedor is much of a talker, but I don't think Fedor's ever tried to say, hey, don't forget about Zuluzinho. You know, I won that one. I, I think mm-hmm. he knows those showcase fights for him because of the era that he came through. But I still look at it as 31 and, or 32 and 0, I guess. Um, because the loss to TK was definitely not a loss according to the rules. And I guess I can say it just like John Jones. I don't feel like they had a, I don't think John Jones ever had a proper loss. John Jones had a disqualification loss in a fight. He was mauling his opponent, but he did commit a, a, a foul and the ref took action and, and that's that. But uh, yeah, so Fedor's run for me goes through those first 32 fights. And then I do have to ding the three losses on him. Fabrice Verdum, Antonio Silva, Dan Henderson, where we all thought, okay, it's over. The ride's over, you know? Not slouches. Don't laugh at Bigfoot, but I know Bigfoot's kind of a laughing stock now. But at the time, he was tough. He, he, he fought Kane twice, if you're not, if you'll recall, Kane Velasquez for the UFC title. So he was earning his shots. He was winning fights. Uh, for Fabrice Verdum became a world champion. Dan Henderson, yeah, I know Dane likes to label him. As a middleweight, sure, he was a middleweight. He was also a light heavyweight. He was just a hard hitter, and he did lose to Dan Henderson. And, you know, and everything after that kind of almost didn't matter. When he came back and won five or six more, Munson, Yishi, Rizzo, Singh, and Maldonado, it wasn't really adding to him at all. Like, it was over. You know, like, everything he had already done was already spoken of. Chael, Quinton, Timothy Johnson, the losses to Bader. That was just... You know, I I look at it as a guy that was probably thirty two and thirty two and three, and mm-hmm. I think that that was kind of Fedor Emelianenko on Stephen Miocic's side. I pretty much give him everything that he did in his career uh, to where he's at now. He's twenty and four with the four title defenses of the UFC belt over Daniel Cormier twice, over Nganu. Excuse me, he had. Yeah, yeah, four title defenses. Uh, Alistair Overeem, Junior DeSantos, Francis Ngannou, and then when he beat Cormier again, that was on title defense, he had to regain the title, and then he defended against Cormier. I mean, these names are incredible. Cormier twice, Ngannou, JDS, 
uh, Overeem, Verdum, Arlovsky, Mark Hunt. I mean, there alone you can say he beat one, two, uh, three, four, five. He's got five major former UFC champions skins on his wall. Fedor's got six. Um, and he has his four losses. He split with the current champion in Ganu, and Ganu gave him his last loss. He won his trilogy bout versus Daniel Cormier. I mean, it's pretty even. I think Fedor obviously has more more title defenses, just depending on how you look at those Grand Prix fights, which one of them was Coleman, one of them was Randleman. Those are legit fighters. Um, it, by the time they got to Miocic, every fight was tough, whereas Fedor did have some cupcakes on the schedule. Mm-hmm. But what what I wind up what I wind up with is still um, you know Fedor went almost ten years without losing. Miocic lost by his tenth fight after two year two and a half years of fighting. Um, I I think it's close. I think it's close. I, I think I probably lean towards Fedor now. I, I've always really promoted Miocic. Mm-hmm. I think I do. Um, just those ten years, you know, of just no one can beat him. Even if you threw in some hippopotamus in there to fight him, he figured out the hippopotamus. Former champions, Grand Prix, and the activity, man. Thirty-two fights in nine and a half years—that's an average of more than three fights per year. It's pretty damn amazing. The six former champions. Lends credibility to offsetting again some of the cupcakes on the schedule. Um, you know what can I tell you? You know the same way you can go. He lost to Dan Henderson. He's a middleweight. Well, I guess you could say to Stipe, you lost to Stefan Struve. Now I don't want to disrespect Stefan Struve, but he never really made it to title contender status. He was a ranked fighter. He was a respected heavyweight. The other losses are proper. JDS, Cormier, and Ganu. Those, those are some of the greats there. Mm-hmm. And to lose to Bigfoot, Verdum, and Henderson, those are some greats. I would say that Miocic has more qual- better quality losses um, because the Cormier one, he rebounded by beating him twice. Fedor never did. You know, He never avenged Verdum. He never avenged Bigfoot, nor Dan Henderson. Uh, Miocic split with Nganu, uh, and then he beat JDS. Actually, he split with JDS. I take that back. Wait, did he? Did he? Uh, yeah, he split with JDS. So, like, he he's he's revenged. He's avenged, you know, his losses. But it's close, man. It's really, really close. Well, let me ask you this: Who wins as they fight? Prime Fedor, Prime Stipe. I had a feeling you'd ask me that. I already have my answer. To me, Prime Fedor was probably just as pride was wrapping up and maybe even Affliction Pride. At Affliction Pride, one could say maybe he was declining because Arlossi had him hurt. Possibly Arlossi was he was a top three heavyweight at that time. And so was Tim Sylvia. So when Dana White says he never tested himself over here, well, your guys had just left and they were highly ranked fighters, former champions. They had just had a series in the UFC, so don't even try and throw that past the hardcore. Casual might go, wow, really, Dana? But a hardcore is going to go, shut up, Dana. Mm-hmm. Um, that, 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 to me, is prime Fedor. He figured out Arlovsky and walloped him. And then prime Miocic is obviously his, you know, pretty much up until the end, I guess, until Cormier got him. 
even though he came back to beat Cormier twice, but then he got smashed by Nganu. But I would say Prime Miocic is probably uh, when he beat Verdum, Ar- Hunt, Arlovsky, Verdum, Overeem, Dos Santos, Nganu. I mean, he had uh, stoppages in the first round. I made a really hard case for him to be the fighter of the year, I think, in 2016. And others, other fighters were getting love at the time. Who wins? I mean, both can throw hands. Uh, Miocic wrestled when he needed to against, like, for example, uh, Nganu. I got to give him respect there. I'm going to sound like Danny Segura. You know how he always tricks us? Our colombiano hermano. He always says, I didn't say the greatest. I said the best. And the best is the greatest. And the greatest is the best. He always tongue twists me. And I'm sitting there going, oh, okay. And I fist bump him. But, okay, listen to me. I think in the first fight, I think Miocic may have, if Prime Miocic may have gotten Fedor, but I think Fedor kind of had the greater heavyweight career. <laughs> I do sound like Danny, don't I? So, okay. God, this is a rabbit hole. Well, there's more title defenses, the long winning streak, um, the Grand Prix, the bell. I mean, like, that, that was a lot that he did, man, in an open weight class. Chubby Fedor, dad bod Fedor, mm-hmm. giving up a lot of pounds still. Figuring out things, more activity, and I, I don't know, man. I, I um, and and maybe Fedor does connect and put Miocic down. If Struve did it, you know, why why wouldn't Fedor be able to do it? If Nganu connected, why wouldn't he be able to do it? That's the part we'll never know, and there's no right or wrong. Um, I just don't think the argument should ever be he never got it done in the UFC. Therefore, it's Miocic, and I don't think the argument would be. Uh, Miocic would have got smashed in Pride because at the time Pride had the better hair. Nah, just look at their records. Decide on your own. You know, the win streaks, the title defenses, the opponents. Um, and then guess what? It's subjective. No one's wrong. No, you know, this isn't the Ellen DeGeneres show where you're standing there and then the, the ground opens up and you fall. Like you just toast either way and go, hey, either way, they're two great fighters and you leave it at that. Mm-hmm. There's just so many things that I mean. All right, what if people in Pride, right, the wrestlers, what if they took Fedor down and had elbows, right? Like, how would that change the game? There's just so many things to nitpick at. I think I still hang on to Stipe, but by a thread. Mm-hmm. Um, but see, here's where this sounds insane, as I'm the opposite of you. I think if they fought, I think maybe Fedor might have caught him at that time. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But it also depends on the rule set, right? Like, if that fight's in the UFC, I might lean towards Stipe. If it's in Pride, I think I might lean towards Fader. I don't know. Yeah. What I will disagree with, Danny, is when he says Fedor by far. Yeah. And if somebody were to text me and say, I heard the show, Stipe by far, I may block that person. And Danny, I already told him, cut it out. Fedor's not by far. Fedor may be the answer, your choice. But not by far. I just finished just telling you I lean towards Fader. I go back and forth on this all the time. But I, I, I you know, in looking at it, I, I think I may be leaning slightly towards Fedor. Um, but neither one by far. No way. That one's razor close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's it's always been fun to, to, to debate these. And, yeah, you know. Like I say, it's subjective. All right, moving on to some other news. 
check out the dom- the commentary team for UFC 284. You know how Rogan doesn't do the overseas shows? Mm-hmm. Well, this time it's no Rogan and no Cormier. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah, so it's John Anik. Do you know who the other two are yet? I don't, but if I had to guess, one of them's got to be Bisping, right? It is. And the other one, Felder? No. Who's the other one? Dominic Cruz. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He doesn't get very many pay-per-views, right? Mm-mm. Bruce Buffer's still doing his octagon duties. Uh, and, you know, the funny thing is a lot of people have had problems getting there, like cancellations, uh, delays. I would think that Bruce Buffer might have looked at this one. I mean, unless Perth is dope. Like, I remember they went there once. For, I remember Man United went there. Manchester United went there. Uh, the UFC's been there before. Of course, it looks beautiful. But right now, man, with all these delays and all that, I think if I'm Bruce Buffer, I would have said, hey, Martinez, why don't you get this one, dog? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just going to prep for old Vegas coming up here on March 4th. Jones versus Gunn. You go, go, you go get this one. But he's there, man. The dude is Makes all sense. Yeah. Um, and then here's the team that they'll have for uh, rowing reporter is going to be John Gooden. So he's going to do the pre and post fight interviews backstage. Laura Sanko is going to be a desk analyst along with Brendan Fitzgerald. He's the host. Laura's the analyst. So a lot of times you'll see the females like Olivi or Karen Bryant hosting the fighters or former fighters as the analysts, but they're keeping Sanko in that analyst role. And by the way, I don't know that we've spoken much on her performance last weekend at the fight night. Uh, I did go back and watch a few because I was at Bellator, so I didn't get the chance to watch it live. I kept hearing everyone heap praise on her, but I thought to myself, I don't want to disrespect her. I really want to listen and just give my honest assessment. Because it's the first time. So the first time was just to just be a B. There's no shame in that. But guess what? I really liked it. I see what everybody was talking about, and I really, really liked it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a big it's a big accomplishment. Um, it's something that, you know, like, really, when you go back to UFC 1, I mean, come on, it's a long time ago, right? So yeah. for something like this to take that long to actually happen. And she does a great job for it too it's like you don't feel like you're just filling somebody in just to say we did it right mm-hmm. yeah i agree anthony smith michael chandler and laura sanko along with brandon fitzgerald and don't forget goes not to say she wouldn't have got it done on her own but you were the caveman that put the two pieces of wood to get mm-hmm. the little spark going for that so you should be proud of yourself for that thanks uh all right ABC, the Association of Boxing uh, Commissions and Combative Sports. So it used to just be Association of Boxing Commissions. That's why it's ABC. They have a committee that's going to advocate on behalf of the fighters. They're still putting together the committee, but they did announce three names. Randy Couture, Dean Thomas, Carlos Newton. That's an old school name, folks. Carlos Newton fought for the title before. And uh, these people are going to. They're going to be an athlete's voice committee, uh, and I guess they will discuss, you know, almost what Francis Ngannou thought was fighter advocacy. Well, what's what's our uh, input to the sport? You know, all the different regulations Mm -hmm. that are out there that have to do with rules and safety. So 
what were your thoughts on this committee and the names so far that you've heard? I think there's no way that this can be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think if you look at it from the outside in, you're probably confused, most people, because I don't know that this is this is not like I think people think association type stuff, right? Like, hey, UFC, you can't pay this or do that. Like, I don't think they really can can say anything about those types of things, but they can as far as safety and regulation, right? Rules, length of rounds, how many rounds, that sort of stuff. That they can have a lot of input on. I think maybe even like where uh, fights go and that that sort of stuff. I could see them making changes there, uh, suspensions and stuff like that. But I think that the big stuff that people want fighters to have more of a voice over, which are like contracts and stuff like that, that's mm-hmm. not this. Well, hold on a second. It did say here, according to the announcement, the committee will work to assist with athlete education contractual literacy regulatory rights regarding managers and other educational opportunities so that you know you often hear times of a guy splitting with a manager and you go why'd you split with him he was taking 30 percent of my uh, contract he didn't know any better he might just be a kid from the streets that thought hey this guy's giving me a hand he let me live at his house i signed on the dotted line i didn't know what i was doing so it looks like they might touch on that but that's no different than just picking up the phone and asking someone right it's not like they could say, hey, no, hey, now, hey, manager, you got to pay this guy that. Like, I don't think they have authority like that. Like, it's just kind of like an advisory. Oh, yeah. yeah, they just want to make sure that the fighters are aware that before someone says, hi, I'd like to be your manager, you can go somewhere and go, hey, what do I pay this cat? You know, he's offering. Mm-hmm. I like him. I trust him. But I also want to make sure I don't get hosed. Um, so that's pretty cool. And. You know, I think there's going to be, they say a website's going to launch in a couple weeks. And I think there'll be even other, uh, other opportunities for others to participate. And they're going to have different committees, officials committee, medical committee, rules committee. So it's pretty cool, you know, what they're doing. And it is a step forward. Yeah, but it is not an, a union or an association uh, in any way. So mm-hmm. uh, Vitor Belfort is kind of standing on deck. Let's get to Vitor Belfort who is going to be part of the Challenger Series this week as one of the judges, former tournament champion and former light heavyweight champion. Respect to him. We'll be back to talk to the Fino. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar from the sport of mixed martial arts. Today, we get to talk to former UFC tournament winner, Vitor Belfort, also a light heavyweight champion and a legend of the game who's done it for over 20 years in our sport, helped build the sport with its exciting fights and finishes. Vitor, good to see you, my friend. It's a joy to see you guys. You know, I'm, I'm here driving to pick up my daughter, and joining with you and thousands of fans and we're gonna dive some good stuff you know some good stuff going on and this friday man pfl series back you know the heavyweights yes that's where you started you were knocking some heavyweights out when you started your career and slowly you came down to light heavyweight and middleweight but you were a, a, a multi-weight fighter back in the day. Yes, it was an open weight. There, there's, there is, there is no division. That is, you don't need to. You can weight whatever you want. 
that is no division back then. Remember? Yeah, that's true. Scott Ferrozo was probably three hundred when you fought him. <laughs> yes, you know we, he was. Yeah, he was big. And it was so fun. It's so good to see the sport. You know, helping building the sport, being the visionary that I was. I always knew that the sport would be that big. I wish could it be faster. But you know, and and I and I, and I, we are in a good time right now because I think the future of the sport of combat is when we bring MMA and boxing in one rules. Mm -hmm. I call it the BMA rules, the boxing martial arts. When we'll be able to bring these two sports in a junction and we'll be able to entertain, we'll be able to break the records of pay-per-view because people want to see something different. But un until that happened, I'm I'm boxing. I'm I'm having fun because I could not box and do MMA at the same time when I was doing, and and I'm having fun. You know, still competing at a high level. Of course, now is in a different realm. I'm, I have to box. So, Vitor, let's let's uh, let's concentrate on a few things that we discussed here. So, you did announce that in April you're going to be boxing against Ronaldo Jacare Souza. Uh, six rounds, three minutes each. Do I got that right? And you said you wanted to introduce some new gloves. Is Game Bread Boxing going to allow that? Yeah, so game. So that that was I was supposed to fight Royce Jones Jr. on that that rules, but they they don't allow. And it'd be, it's funny because I'm always an entrepreneur, so I'm looking for okay, how can you be successful? You need to make money. I see a lot of people spending money, and I want to help everyone be successful. So. I supposed to fight Roy Jones Jr., but he denied me. He didn't want to fight me, so he's choose to fight Anthony Pettis. So he's an easy fight. So he's an easy. I, I think Anthony Pettis is a great MMA, you know, legend, but he cannot box. So and he choose the easier fighter for him, and that and he's a lighter guy. So and I think that that was not the fight that's supposed to be it's supposed to be me and Roy, but Roy picked his opponent. And and boxing world is always being built on that revenue. You pick your fighters. MMA is different. You have to fight these guys. He's always like, that's why it's excitement. So <clears throat> I've been proposing, you know, like with Hollyfield, with Delahoya, I design a glove. I have these rules that we'll be able to grab in the clinch. And and that's what I'm looking for. I wanted to fight a boxer under this rule. So I went boxing Hollyfield, you know. And I'm boxing people, even Jake Paul, you know, he's been running away from me for years. And I mean, and, and even PFL is giving pretty easy money for him. And I just think it doesn't make any sense, you know, you know, doing all that. At the end, we need to get our return of our money. So I want to see MMA and boxing united together. That's how you're going to break the mold. That's why, that's how you're going to be able to create something that is going to be very marketable people are gonna people are gonna buy it people are gonna subscribe to see it because they want to see something different and i hope zingano can can accept my offer and i would donate my gloves for him can fight on these gloves with with whatever it is he wants to fight but it's time to bring this two sport at one and until it's happened i'm gonna fight and and i'm glad that jacare is not scared to fight me so he jumped in, he's gonna fight me, and we're gonna do six rounds. But supposedly this fight's supposed to be me and Roy. But for the second time, Roy didn't want to fight me. And, and like I said, 
the fans deserve that. The fans want to see entertaining fights. And I think it's time for, for us that lives in combat sport world, we need to create something different. And and I, I wanted to do that. And, I, and if I cannot do it, I want other people to become the carriers of that. And I think Ningano is the guy who can do that right now as in the heavyweight division. So I, I know Tyson, if you say he's fighting a little glove, so he doesn't need little gloves. Fight him this glove that the fingers not expose it. You know, it's a it's an amazing glove that I designed. And here it is. Actually, I'm going to show you guys what it is, the gloves. There is no excuse. Here it is. You know, you see there is no finger exposed. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. So it's a boxing glove, but I can grab. So this is a 10-ounce, can go 8-ounce. You know, so that's the future. That, that's what we need right now. We need entertaining fights. You know, we, we, we need we need bring this to sport and see who's the best guy with the hands. And I believe if Roy Jones Jr. fight me on these gloves with these rules, we will be able to break the mold and, and bring a new sport where boxers and MMA guys can can fight on these rules. You know, it will be 50-50. So, but until it happen, I box, you know. I love to box. You guys know I'm a, I brought boxing to MMA and I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm pumped. Would it be possible for, have you discussed the PFL since Jake Paul's going to be there, that this could happen under the PFL banner, uh, under their pay-per-view series, maybe? Listen, as soon as I talk to you, I'm sending an email to Don Davis. I spoke to, to, to Pete, the CEO you know, oh, we're going to do this. We want it with the, I remember Pete didn't want to do anything besides the, the MMA. And now they bring this Jake Paul, Jake the fake Paul. And, and he's just, people are just handing him money. I, I know he got like seven figures just to do this marketing deal. I know the guy is a marketing genius. You know, he's a great YouTuber. But you guys know who's the real fighter, you know, and he's not a real fighter. You know, he's just talking his way there. You know, he's, he, people give him money, and he's smart. He's a great businessman. But, you know, now PFL have these things called the earn. You know, you go to the series, to the PFL series, you earn your way out. They, they're right. in favor of, like, stopping making these fights. You know, you talk your way out. They just signed the biggest talker of all time. You know, these guys, like, people are fed up with that guy. That guy's been running away. You know he's been running away from me for so long. Now I'm going to be there. They better have that contract to sign because if the guy signed the contract, we fight him. I'll fight him all day long with this glove and he will not be man enough to put that glove. We know that his manager, you know, the guy Nikisa, he's been protecting. He sent me text message. That guy, you know, I can, I can take my hat for these guys. They, they printing money and Don Davis give that guy a lot of money, but now Don Davis, the MMA community want PFL to put me and Jake Paul to box at the PFL cage. And, 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 right, and right now, that is no excuse for this not to happen. And I promise you guys, this thing will not happen because guess what? Jake Paul get his $10 million on his pocket, walking away, and guess what? Now now we he keep printing money and fighting whoever he wants to fight. So... 
It's a mess. I think it's a mess. We got to get this straight. That guy has to fight me. There is no way out right now. I would love to see it. And perhaps you'll have that moment during the Challenger Series because you're there as a celebrity judge to see, you know, give your vote to see who might be next. Hopefully you have the opportunity for that. Now, I did want to ask you about, uh, you know, your role on Friday night. Folks, you can watch them on Fubo TV, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, heavyweights in action. Vitor, what are you looking for when you watch these guys compete? Is it the finish? Is it a tenacity? Is it skill? Is it cardio? What What are you going to be looking for before you go, that's my vote? First of all, that is no second round. That is no third round. You know, what makes MMA fighters so successful, you know, is go for the finish. That's why everybody that became a star in the MMA community is these guys that are finishers. And what makes football so exciting is just throwing the balls, you know, people that score touchdowns. The offense is it's the deep, the best defense in football is the defense that play offense. They go for the attack. They go for the attack. So every time that I play on defense, I lost. Why? Because that was not who I am. So what I'm looking for and how, what we all the fans are looking for, for people that go out there to finish, either on the ground or the, so you're looking to the finish. And I think that's what makes fighters so successful. You know, they make a lot of money. They become successful with those guys that go for the finish. So I'm looking not for the, you know, if you can put a package together, you know, the looks, the, 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 the physique, you know, all the, it's great. But the number one thing we're looking for is PFL series. And that's why I love PFL format. You earn your way out. That is no talking. And that's why I'm very disappointed for them to sign with Jake Paul. This big talker, he doesn't fight me, being run away from me for years. And he give all the excuses. And I promise you, he's going to wait for me to turn 50 and say, oh, now I'm going to fight you. So... Now is the time for PFL to redeem themselves, get my contract so I can fight Jake Paul at PFL cage. But until then, I'm so glad I'm part of PFL series because fighters can be a multimillionaire by the end of this year. And they can come from this PFL series all the way up, earn the contract and become millionaire in less than a year. That's amazing. That's an effort. Vitor, these younger fighters, they have so many things at their disposal, right? As far as training, partners, mentors that have been through this. You didn't have very much of this when you were coming up. Um, but do you think that maybe not having that, would your career have been a little bit different? Or did you kind of have to go through the things that you did in order to be who you are today? It's like the what ifs, the what ifs. You know, I, I two words I don't like. It. What if I don't feel like it? Write it down. What if I don't feel like this word doesn't exist for me, for my kids. And if I had the chance to have everything else, I'll be a monster. That's no doubt because I have to be the prototype. I had to create the things. I, I, like, I am the literally the guy who transformed what it was, MMA. I brought athleticism to, to, to UFC. I brought sport, the look, you know, the shorts, the sponsors, you know, how, you know, you, you see, if you see myself, I was the standard for all these guys, how to brand yourself, how to create this brand. So I think I, I did so many good things and my, and that's why right now I just want to be able to give back. I want to mentor fighters. I want to help these guys because 
when I talk about head coach, what is a head coach? A head coach, nothing it is that the guy who can put all the coaches together. So I believe I'm the, I am the head coach of MMA. I can put coaches together to work together because first of all, I don't have, I don't need to be on TV. You know, I don't need to even, you hire me. I don't even need to appear. You don't even say my name. You gotta pay me because what I know, what I acquired for these years, it's so valuable. But I think right now, fighters that they have that that thing master. Look at Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns lives in my house. I mentored that kid for many, many years. Look how successful he is. And look how successful he is, not just inside the cage, but outside of the cage. So I think it's the balance of fighters understanding that, you know, if your personal life is good, is healthy, your your, your professional life is going to be healthy and have longevity. So I think my theory is, you know, the I have so much knowledge and I want to help this community. I want to be able to pour down into these fighters. I, I discovered one of the fighters that came and earned his contract. He was one of my sparring a couple couple months ago I, I got on the phone I call I call Ray Seffo say I got a guy for you and guess what the guy's just earned a contract he's gonna fight he just got classif- uh, classified to fight uh, for the PFL to earn a million dollars and I think the kid has potential so I'm always have my eyes open and I can spot talent I can build the talent I can I can I can kind of help these guys understanding you know, the present, the pitfalls in the middle, and the future. So if I had that, I would have been in a totally different shape. But I mean, if I didn't have that, I could not be who I am. So I'm very happy for for the experience, you know, my failures become my losses, become my lessons. So I think that's is priceless. That that's you cannot you cannot earn this university by attending to Harvard. You have to earn these universities by the scars, by my losses, by my difficulties, my struggles. And I mean, now it's time for me to give back to the, to the community. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to do courses, to mentor, to be able to help the amateurs, you know, guys, the upcoming guys, how they can, how they can build a legacy. So I'm looking to put up a system where I'll be able to do a Zoom with every fighter they will pay a very small amount, but I'll be able to kind of map the things, how to avoid the pitfalls, you know, because I think it's more like the secret is doing the little things repetitively. So, and I think fighters have to understand that it's a package, you know, it, it's, it's your businessman, your brand, when they don't need you anymore, you're, you're, you're disposable. You, they're going to go for the next guy. So, it's hard to become a legend on the sport, but I mean, it's possible. Vitor, you talked about being the prototype for mixed martial arts, but you have a glove that is a, another prototype, right? Can you maybe, uh, you showed us the glove, but can you maybe elaborate on what that rule set would inquire with the glove? So just thinking about like, you know, MMA is five minutes, boxing is three minutes. So let, let's say, you know, let's say you put like, two minutes you know if you short up the rounds you you'll be able to if you shorten up the rounds 
you'll be able to to have less concussion. So it, it's a lot of things evolve, you know, safeties and all that. So I think BMA, we, it, it's not just safe, safe, safer for the fighters, but also it's more entertaining for the bettings and all that. But it's just boxing, you know, and I believe if, if the boxer, let's say the boxer accept spinning punches, you know, that's something that we do, the spinning punches. We do spinning punches. Boxes, they don't do spinning punching. If they allow us to do spinning punching, we can allow. If they don't allow, we just box. But the difference is you'll be able to grab and do hand fighting. You'll be able to hand fight, you know, have control of your opponent. The the the, the, the clinch will not be bored, you not be a separating. The fight is gonna be in the clinch. You'll be able to hold the neck, you'll be able to hold the wrist. So they would they would need to fight like a man you know like they're on the street you know they really fighting for their life so you really it's almost like being in the the raw of boxing so and we will see who is the best striker on the planet so my belief is it's time the time is asking for this type of rules and i've been developing this glove for over four years before the pandemic I was trying to do a fight when Mike Tyson fought. I was trying to do a fight, you know, between these guys. But I mean, nobody wants to fight me under these gloves. And now boxing becomes big. But when we'll be able, I hope Ningano, I want to present this glove for Ningano. And for somehow, I, I need to get contact with him and said, you know, you have to fight Tyson Fury under these rules. You know, don't box. It's time for us to, to bring, you know, he deserved it for everything that guy did in his career. He's in a position that he can be the A side. He can make smart decisions. I don't know who is his mentor, who is overseeing his career, but it's time for him to be smart, making the wise decision and looking for not just for himself, but to build a legacy and open the Red Sea for, for this merge between these two sports and I think it's going to be massive, man, massive. And as you guys know, I'm a real promoter. I'm a real fighter. I'm a real professor. I'm a real legend. So everything I want is I want a business to sustain. The great companies is going to be sustainable. If you cannot be sustainable, you're just like this cryptocurrency that goes up and down. You got to be a dollar sign. You got to be something that is have have a track, you know, and I think I have a track. I hope these promoters can understand, open their eyes and I'm open for business. You know, even if Dana White wants to do a promotion, PFL wants to do it. It's time for someone said, let me listen to Vitor Belfort because he deserved to be heard. And now it's time. This is great. All right. Well, Vitor, uh, first things first, Challenger Series on Friday, Fubo TV, 9 p.m. Eastern. I want to wish you good luck for the training camp leading into the Jock Ray fight at Game Bread Boxing. Exciting to see your name uh, associated with all these different ideas, and hopefully uh, the ideas that you put forward today, something like that can happen for you. I definitely want to see you versus Roy Jones at some point in time. For us, because I'm going to need you guys. Guess what? You guys know, I, I remember, I remember when you guys started. I really remember because I always had 
so much compassion because remember nobody would care about MMA. Remember, yeah. you remember mm-hmm. the back of the day, nobody cares, nobody cover us. It was ridiculous. And now we're in ESPN. Now we are the big thing. But you guys are the real fight. You guys are the real reporters. You guys are original guys. So what I really want, I want to help the amateurs. I have a project that I would like to present for you guys. And I would like to start this project because at the end of the day, I'm not looking just to make big money. I'm looking to give back. And the way to give back, we need to feed the new, the, the new, the future Vitor, the futures uh, John Jones, and I think is, is establish a, a blueprint for the parents, how the parents can can help the kids in their career. They are, I'm, I'm very sad to see kids spar at the early age. You know, they're gonna be CTE. You know, there's so many things you can do it to avoid. You know becoming a stupid fighter you got to be smart fighter, especially parents because you see i remember in living in las vegas you go to the gyms and you have these guys they want they want their kid to become you know the next vito belfer and they put their kid to spar so their brain is not formed yet so that's time you know so i want to be able to one of my biggest business is this i want to do a zoom call with thousands of families that they pretend to become a martial artist or an MMA professional. I want to help them how they can do the right things, how they can avoid to sign with the wrong management, how they can avoid all these friends that are going to waste their money, all this stay away from the women, you know, be able to, to become a professional, not just in training, but in personal life because you see all the fighters. It's sad to see Holyfield with 12 ex-wives, you know, nine ex-wives. I don't know how many ex-wives he has. So we need to teach not just to become a great fighter, how they can become a great human beings, you know, a great parent. You know, so that's my 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 legacy that I want to live for the sport of MMA or combat sport, whatever you want to call. I want to be able to help kids to come in a zoom you know i'll put a price very affordable but i, I want to make like a a whole year you know a whole year imagine if you 12 time you know you know it, it will be like once a week four times a, a month four times 12 how many how many times i'm not good at math uh, 48 so it will be 48 sessions i'll be able to give these kids you know, um, uh, tutoring, you know, how to choose a manager. What's the difference between a manager and an agent? You know, how to take care of nutrition, how to cut weight. I'm a master of cutting weight. I teach people how to cut weight. Now they have all these people, you know, making millions of dollars, you know, giving all that. So I have to, I hire top professionals. I, I try everything and, and we know how, how big, big, big change happen when you do something right, especially cutting weight, because you dehydrate your brain, you can cause CTE when you go to the fight. So it's a lot of things involved, you know, that I want to just help them making good decisions, you know. And and I think this is more than, that's called more, more like a mentoring head coach, kind of it. I, I don't want to be the head coach. I, I don't want to be in the gyms with fighters. I want to be more like a mentor. I need to meet once a week. I don't need more than once a week. 
they have a lot of good coaches out there. They don't need Vitor Belfort in the mat, you know, and, and it's going to be very expensive. But I mean, I want to help the community. You know, I see the community, you know, grow and all these athletes making some, you know, a lot, a lot of new talents rising up. But I, I feel like they can be good in everything, not just in one thing. If what I'm saying, like, there's a lot of little things. It's a lot yeah. of puzzle. You know, it has the wrestling, the boxing, the striking, the kicks. It's a lot of elements in the middle. So how to focus, where you started, or, you know, what's the, what's the odds, you know? How I make my choice to, in this camp, if I'm fighting a striker, if I'm fighting. So it's a lot of things in MMA, it's very complex. Boxing is very simple. That's why I have to create a new way of boxing going to the MMA. Different angles, different moves, you know, walking punch, it's called the phenom punch. So I have to create a lot of things from this martial art, from this martial art, how, how they can match up, how they can work together. So that's one of my goals to help the MMA community. And I would I would like to count on with you guys so we can help this community. Of course, when you love get that. it together, for sure. We would love to help you spread the word. I think the, the young athletes could definitely benefit from the wisdom of an OG like yourself, a world champion like yourself. And you brought up some very good points. We need to learn from our predecessors some of the mistakes they made because unfortunately the sport was young and raw you know and, and mistakes were made but everything evolves and now we need to create a safer sport good stuff vitor we can definitely support you let us know it's it's always a joy to be with you guys and don't miss friday i'm gonna be challenging jake paul we want to fake paul he better you know we're gonna see if pfl just give him the check he's gonna be walking away with this, this bag of money that they give him I hope he can put his mouth where he signed, and we, we, you guys cannot miss that. And let, let's move that forward because that boy, man, I'm telling you, man, that boy is he's good businessman. He's printing money easy, man, right now. Let's let's give him a real fight. All right. We'll look forward to the call out. Thanks for the time, as always, Vitor. Blessings to you and the family. Shout out to Davey Beat Belfort. You'll be seeing him on a major college football field soon. Uh, I've seen him throw at the camps in Las Vegas. He's a he's a stud, just like his dad. Thanks, Vitor. Take care. Man, goes. I still have memories of those fast hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you he know, would blitz people. Tank Scott Ferrozo. Holy cow! He was different because early on in the UFC, striking wasn't anywhere near what it is today. Right? right. Like even for like the first twenty. I don't even know anybody threw a head kick. And but what Vitor did was like obviously there were knockouts, right? But it was more like brawling techniques where Vitor actually brought in some nice crisp boxing and defense. So I, I think he uh he's one of those pioneers of changing the way people trained for fights. And he was one of the first grapplers that could strike. You know, if you start, if you heard Brazilian jiu-jitsu you felt like that's all they were going to do, right? And and he was different. Remember that armbar he threw up on Jones? Yeah, almost had him. That was a close call, man. You know, this was the time when Vitor was around where I was in my 20s. I hadn't reached 30 yet. And during that time is when I would, you know, go to a club or a bar. And I would either witness fights or... I, I was never really much in too much of them tussles, but maybe a buddy, whatever. 
Um, but what I do remember was always being impressed by the security back then was usually like offensive linemen of college football teams or just big dudes, man. They, you know, you, you might be able to get a shot in or whatever, but you always felt like if that guy got a hold of you, especially your clothes, you were getting thrown through a window or, or body slammed hard on the ground if they if they were a wrestler or, or just an offensive lineman or, or something. And so a lot of times you just thought, yeah, this guy's this guy's big, you know. Um, but they a lot of them would be assholes and threw their sides around. And I remember when I saw Vitor, I go, holy cow, there there really is a way to, you know, you don't have to match the six five, three hundred pounds that this guy has. To take him out, um, you just have to have hands like this guy because the way he would beat Ferozo and Tank, I mean, he was just lightning quick. Um, but yeah, I, I just remember having those thoughts back then. Vitor had a lot to say. Look forward to seeing him on Fubo TV, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, to see who he uh casts his vote for. Mm-hmm. This challenger yeah. series, and don't forget, like all the the interviews we do, there's video portions of it. So if you want to watch, like the glove that he brought out, I thought was actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's worth a, a watch. So definitely check those out. What I what I would disagree with is, I just don't know that you might get some boxers they that may want to participate in whatever rule set he's putting forward to if the money's right. But you're not going to get the top boxers. The top boxers right. get paid very well. They want to protect that thumb. Um, they don't care about the clinching or anything. It's the Jake Pauls or the Austin Trouts that haven't fought in a few years that are going to bare knuckle. Sure, they may want to, um, but I, I think Austin Trouts at bare knuckle because he doesn't want to worry about you know anything having to do with extended clinching. He just wants to throw, you know. A lot of times I hear new ideas and I'm like, come on, bro. Just like, I hate hearing about MMA and the Olympics. Like I just, and I hear very high caliber athletes talk about that. It just makes zero sense to me, but this one, I would actually give a try. Obviously the, the top boxers are never going to want to do this, but there might be like a new, like I would be more interested in this than power slap. I, I, I would actually be like, okay, so easily now you have people that can, you can grab a hold of their wrists if you want, slip away and throw punches, but go back and grab. Like that would be interesting. I would give it a try at least. Well, to be fair, Tyson Fury did challenge Nganu to Queensberry rules. So that's boxing rules, is what he's saying. He was willing to do it in a cage and he was willing to do it in a four ounce glove. Mm-hmm. Um, but granted, he's still talking about throwing hands. And Ghanu would have to say, well, what are we going to do as far as clinching? You know, would he would it interest him to use that glove, or would Francis be better off with the four ounce? You know, again, the point I made was Conor McGregor. I only remember him landing one clean one on on Floyd Mayweather, and that was the uppercut. If Francis lands down on Fury, it could be over with a four ounce glove. I'm not saying it would be. I'm just saying if you know they're, they're at the weight class where one punch could possibly make a difference. Uh, so who knows? Now, Vitor has an in. Vitor is a former Extreme Couture fighter. He just referenced Ray Seffo in the interview. Um, that's his in to talk to Nganu. Eric Nixick was there when Vitor Belfort was there. 
So he's got his in on how he can get a hold of Ngannou. It's just he was talking about so many things, and we had to wrap up the interview that I didn't really get a chance to chime in there. But um, mm-hmm. he'll be at PFL. He'll see some of these guys, and maybe he'll get his ideas forward. But it's always a pleasure to talk to the great Vitor Belfort. For sure. Uh, all right, just to wrap up a few things here. Have you been catching embedded's thoughts on those? I, only I caught haven't one. caught them yet, no. Yeah, I, some people, like my buddy Big Ralph likes to uh, – one after another, a, right? Yeah, a little marathon on Friday or Saturday. Uh, but I, I, I'm i not saying I pounce on them right when they come out, but I, I usually don't let it get to that point. I have only caught one, um, but I did want to say this. There's this whole thing going on with Dana White and Islam Makashev. It's not a big deal. It really didn't turn into a big deal, but Islam Makashev had stated that, you know, hey, this could have been promoted better. Maybe we could have done some sort of a, a – a three city tour or something weeks back, not now, but probably weeks back. Cause it's such a special fight. And I agree with him goes, I remember GSP versus BJ Penn. That got a lot of hype. And I think it used to be called prime time. I think I brought it up on SBC. You said it was called 24 seven, but didn't UFC call theirs prime time? Yeah. Yeah. And so it was a little bit more enhanced and than the normal countdown. And, and Dana really seemed into it. You know, a lot of a lot of the people that I know are saying this is number one against number two. I disagree there. For pound for pound, you have to earn your pound for pound. You can't just win a title and all of a sudden you're number two or you're number one. Part of that journey to getting to the top of pound for pound is probably going to be some of your title defenses. And everyone pretty much has a good record in pound for pound. Now, Volkanovski is the number one pound for pound fighter in the USA Today Sports MMA Junkie rankings. That's because he's 25 and one, I believe. Hasn't lost in the UFC. Um, has only lost once in his in his career. And he has like five title defenses. So he's earned his spot. And if he wins, he'll continue being pound for pound. But guess what else he'll be? He'll be in talk for GOAT. Because mm-hmm. to have that type of record with title defenses and you have two uh, weight classes, holy cow. Now, Makashev wins. Hey, congrats. You only have one loss. You have an impressive record. You have a title defense. Granted, it was a 45er coming up. It wasn't one of the legit 55ers that's chomping at the bit to get at you. But still, uh, it'll move him up a little bit in the pound for pound. But I still don't have Makashev number two. I don't see it as number one, number two. But I do see it as a special fight between two fighters that are champions. And Makashev's been impressive in his run to get to the title. And he was impressive in his title shot. I mean, he beat Chucky Olives. And Chucky Olives was on an impressive run himself. So respect to that. But where Dana White might get bailed out, he's doing some press and some media. And he's saying, hey, man, this thing's trending. This, Yeah, well, no thanks to you. You know, maybe we just mm-hmm. had to Perth, Australia. They're coming strong. They're buying tickets. It's a hard ticket to get. I get all that. Maybe the pay-per-views will sell. But no thanks to you. If it just happens to sell well and do well, it was no thanks to you is what Islam Makhachev is trying to say. It may just be because the UFC is such a dope product. We've never really bashed it in that regard. Big fights are big fights. UFC comes strong there, and ESPN has been a legitimate partner. But I think all Islam is saying more could have been done, and maybe instead of 1.4, it could have been 1.6. Maybe instead of 1.1, it could have been 1.3. Maybe instead of 2, it would have been 2.4. We don't know, but it definitely probably could have been promoted more. And great examples were given. I think it was Mike Bond that said, check out the last 100 or something like that. And Power Slap was getting promoted more by UFC and Dina White than Mm -hmm. this title fight. There you go. 
that's actual legitimate claims. Well, I agree. I agree. It could have been promoted a lot better. Like you could even say this is worse than most pay-per-views. There's just, there hasn't been very much promotion, but at the same time, you could also tell Islam Makashev, well, how many interviews have you done? Right? Like, what have you done on your part? Have you done anything on social media? Have you like, he really doesn't say much either. So, a little bit on him. I think Volkanovsky's done a lot. He's done some interviews. He's he's talked about this. It's a big deal. UFC, not so much. But I, I honestly think, like, um, I think it's pretty clear. You know, Dana White and the problems that he's been in, he probably just doesn't want to be in front of cameras. He doesn't want to travel. He doesn't want to do all those things because he knows people are going to ask him uncomfortable questions. And um, and I think that's had an effect on this fight, unfortunately, on these fighters. Which, if you recall, to his press conference when he addressed the slapping of the white incident, he said, "If I leave, this hurts my fighters." Well, you not participating. Let's let's not forget Rio de Janeiro did not live up. It had empty seats. It ended the sellout streak. That's kind of been forgotten about. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. hasn't been talked about. He didn't travel to that one. He didn't travel to this one. He's had every goddamn power slap though. Uh, you know. And I know a lot of this was pre-recorded, but he's been doing some press. He's at the Super Bowl, but he would have never missed BJ Penn versus GSP, and he definitely promoted that fight more than he has this fight. And I think to that, Makashev has legitimate claims. Now, again, luckily, if it's trending well for the company, good for Dana White and the company, and eventually good for Islam Makashev's pocket and Volkanovski's pocket. If it's stadium tickets that they're so, that they sold well, well, that doesn't go in the fighters' pockets. You know, they can mm-hmm. be proud of a sellout and a loud crowd and all that stuff. But um, it's pay per views. You know, they, that, that's definitely what they want. But I think Makashev was right. Now, in the end, Mike Bond caught up with Makashev. He doesn't seem too bitter about it. And again, maybe this thing does sell a bunch of pay per views, and hey, he'll take home a, a, a handsome payday. But I thought he had a little bit of a point. Um, you know, and that's that. Why harp on it? If we know why this thing has slowed down a little bit, and I think you nailed it. Now I'm, I'm sure he'll be a big presence at UFC 285 in Las Vegas. Yeah, can't get around that one, right? Hell no, you can't. That's, that's too big. Yeah. Um. All right. I don't have too much more to say. I, I, I am pretty excited about. I guess Chandler and, and Conor McGregor are kicking things off this week for the the. Hospital. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think they started Monday. Yeah, and then I'm hearing a, a possible mix of veterans and up-and-comers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, remember, we had the comeback season where Matt Serra defeated Chris Lytle, and we were all into it because, hey, a second chance, and you walk into a title shot, and there were names we knew. That's kind of cool. That that will draw a hardcore like me and an old-school guy like me in. Uh, the young talent, like, I don't get as excited because I guess I could just tune into LFA or uh, Challenger Series for – PFL or whatever. I want to know who the next upcoming fighters are, or I guess the prelims of a UFC. Who knows? Uh, even a Dana White contender series. Hey, let me know when you've won a few fights in the UFC, and I'll take a look at your record. And if it's sexy, then guess what? I'll get to start getting pumped up about your fight. But I, I just can't do all that and follow Man U and and root for LeBron to break the, rec- break the record and watch free agency in the NFL and see who USC signed, catch up on Yellowstone. There ain't enough of GEG to spread around for all that. Nah, so, I hear you. Tough. I, I will kind of wise to get some of, uh, if it's a little bit of a comeback season, I think that that might wind up being a wise move. 
Well, this will instant like I, I've never stopped being a tough fan. I've I've always liked the show, but this is something that might put some shows on the back burner. Some stuff have to because I'm not gonna miss this because of who they got on there. You know, bravo to them. Good job, UFC. Mm-hmm. Hey, one last thing: Josh Emmett and Yair Rodriguez are both pretty respectful of their interim belts. Um. Poirier, proud of his. Gaethje's threw his on the ground. Um, I get it. You know, like, there's still one other big dog, top dog out there that you got to take out in some people's minds to feel good about it. But I think no matter what, man, no one can ever take that belt away from you. You know, when you were ready to fight for the title, for some reason the champ was, and you did in the interim, sometimes that interim's turned into the undisputed. If, if the champ couldn't continue, like Burrell mm-hmm. did, you know, when, when Cruz just could not mount that comeback. So a belt's a belt. Can you carry that feeling? Yeah, I, I do understand that. But both guys going in said, hey, uh, I'll be happy to win that belt. Oh, kind of kind of good news to hear. It's so hard. It really is. Like, I, I really don't know. It's an accomplishment because it's not your fault. But at the same time, like, if you're Miss California and something happens – you're the runner up and now you're Miss California. Like, are you, are you really Miss? Like, don't people just go, well, you're just there because I don't know how I would deal with that as an athlete. Well, every time people would say, well, you're the champ because of this situation. Right. So I don't know, man. I think it's something to be proud of though. You have to be proud of it. I just don't know how you hold it. Okay. How about this? this? On behalf of Emmett, not yeah, here, but on behalf of Emmett, didn't we almost think that Emmett could f- could have fought for the title before the Korean Zombie? He had a longer mm-hmm. win streak, uh, or maybe before Max again, who that's who the Korean Zombie replaced. I mean, he's had like four or five good, solid wins. It's just that Volkanovski just didn't think much of defending the title. But we've never said Volkanovski's cleared the heavy the featherweight division. He's wiped out a, a, a good portion of them, but three of those were Max Holloway. One was the Korean zombie who really, I think Emmett should have gotten it over him. So Emmett's probably going, Emmett is a pretty respectful fighter, but Emmett kind of has a case to go, hey, you kind of have avoided me. Like I've earned my title shot more than Korean zombie and you defended against me. So you've, you're going on to chase other things. I'm here in the interim because you won't face me. Kind of has a little bit of a case. Yeah, and all that would never be talked about if the UFC didn't set the standard of fighters being able to do things like this, right? Because that's all that Volkanovski's thinking about is money, right? I can make a lot of money going up and doing this super fight. It used to be that that wouldn't even really be a thought in a fighter's head being able to do that. They would just be thinking, man, I just got to keep getting these. I got to keep wiping out this division. When people talk about who's the greatest featherweight of all time, I need to have so many title defenses that people don't even bother having that conversation, right? Mm-hmm. But money trumps everything. So, um, yeah, I don't fault Josh Emmett at all. Like, that dude has done everything he can, except for, you know, maybe he could be a little bit more promotable, but he's he's just uh, a nicer guy, uh, a more respectful guy. and But that that's kind of what that gives you, right? Yeah. Look at Valentina. She's... She's got Alexa Grasso, and Grasso even said, I wanted one more fight before I fight for the title. But she didn't get that one more fight. She's getting Grasso probably when she's not ready for her. 
But Valentina's completely obliterated the division, so much so that we're going, well, why don't you fight Santos again, even though she just fought her, um, because that was such a close fight. That's somebody that's really kind of giving you a fight. No one else is really giving her a fight. Maya gave her a strong round, mm-hmm. Ryan, but other than that, she's kind of really ran through uh, everyone else. I, I thought Volkanovski still, you know, if he wanted a match with Valentina's done, then I think there there would be having to have beaten a, a, someone like a Josh Abbott or maybe an Arnold Allen. I don't know. Speaking of Arnold Allen, he's got Max Holloway in Kansas City at a fight night. That's a banger of a fight. But we got to get out of here. So last reminder, this Saturday, Goes and I will be hosting a watch-along at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific here on MMA Junkie. Check it out. Uh, always a good time. We always have special guests. Chris Curtis, who, by the way, I haven't connected with just to make sure, but he's really excited about it last week. Um. I expect them to be there. Colin fights with us 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for the prelims, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific for the pay-per-view. And if many of you have heard this but never could figure it out, uh, we watch the fights. You hear us tell you what's happening. And this really comes into play during the pay-per-view if you choose not to get it. Because why go to Twitter and refresh or keep calling your buddy or texting your buddy to say, what happened? What happened? What happened? When all you have to do is tune into us for free, and we'll tell you what happened. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the purpose of the watch along, or just watch the fights along with us. All of us have friends out of our in our circle that just aren't into the sport, so we all geek out at home on fight night. But there's no one to talk to. Hang out with us. We have a chat room. It'll be a good time. Uh, Challenger series on Friday, and uh, yeah, that's about it, man. One, one has a card as well on Prime. Lineker's in action. Check that out. All of that can be found on the schedule tab at the top of MMA Junkie. And uh, spanning back like Mondays, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Get into it. It's starting to build. It's starting to build momentum. More people are in the chat room. Check it out. It's, it's content you can count on Monday mornings, Monday afternoon, depending on where you're at. All right. For now, we're out of here. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you on Saturday. Until then, go out and be a champion. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.